We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 338. So since the Yankees have dropped their first series in like a month, over a month, I want to start the show instead of talking about the Yankees. I want to say happy birthday, Scott. And I want to say congratulations. You are now older than anyone on the New York Yankees current roster. (laughs) Goddamn CC, man. I need his birthday to come up. 
It's next month. So I fact-checked this. Yep. It's the first thing I Googled when I thought of it, and I said, all right, same year, but CC's like, you got CC by a month. Yep. Yeah, we're old, man. It happens. I can't stop it. I've tried. You know, I've, I've really <laughs> tried. And unfortunately, these yearly reminders keep coming up. If they didn't keep coming up, I'd be fine. You know, I, didn't, I don't really need the reminder. I get it. You know, I, I get it. But thank you. Uh, thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, a bunch of people on social media. Because apparently Twitter freaking tells you now, too. Facebook's mm-hmm. annoying as hell. And then you have If there's Twitter. one place that birthday just doesn't matter, it's Twitter. Exactly. Nothing, nothing matters except people spewing their crappy opinions on Twitter. I had to put my birthday on Twitter because because I wanted to follow um, a beer company and they make you right, now yeah. put your birthday on there. So got to be 21. Can't you can't see those pictures of frosty uh frosty whatever kind of beer yeah. you want unless you're 21 years old cuz God knows there's not worse pictures on the internet. <laughs> right, exactly, right? And and now and now because There's just straight up porn in Twitter. Like you just scrolling up porn. There's porn. There's porn. There's people having sex. And there is, uh, and I can't do that. And then, and then Twitter all of a sudden, and then they throw it in everybody's face. Oh, by the way, it's his birthday too. Yeah. Like, thanks, Twitter. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's been a weird week, right? <laughs> we talked after the Red Sox series, and we were, we were positive because they took the series, and it was another series win, and it's great. You take two out of three from your rival. But it kind of ended on a sour note with all the Clint Frazier stuff. And we have a very good episode today because you spoke to Coley Harvey, who covers the Yankees for ESPN. So you were able to talk to not only the guy who got like the first update from Frazier that first night, but you're able to get you're able to talk to somebody who's in that clubhouse, who's talk, who's part of the quote media that hates Clint Frazier, right? <laughs> Look, I thought it was a perfect time for for Coley to uh, to come on the show, yeah, because he did he did get those initial. Quotes from from Frazier late night on uh, after the Red Sox game on Sunday or Monday morning, and uh, and yeah, I think that like this week in particular, the the vibe, the feeling, the the atmosphere of like what's happening right now with this Yankees team is, you know, as important or relevant or or uh, concerning, however you want to look at it, as as it has been all season, and well, because it hasn't happened yet this we've, season, we have and not we saw a little bit in the beginning when they got off to a, a struggling start, and <clears throat> Judge had those comments and about backs against the wall, as that's the T-shirt you're wearing right now, and Aaron Boone is saying no, this is a long season marathon, not a sprint, all the all those cliche narratives, and we're like, oh boy, is there a little um. Um, Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, what's yeah going on? miscommunication between um, you know unofficial captain of the Yankees and, and manager of the Yankees, but that all blew over, and the Yankees got on a roll. The clubhouse seemed like it was as tight as ever, and this is the first time that we've seen something where it doesn't look like that. Yeah, no, we've seen the ad- we've seen the adversity on the field. We know that. We know the injury history. We know everything that's happening there. Um, but then now you're adding some some uh, little little bit of uh, attention in in the locker room, whether it's whether it's real, whether it's fan created, whether it's media created, whether it's Clint Frazier created. You know, we get into that. We talk about we talk a lot about a lot of things uh, as far as like what's been said, what were maybe underlying um, meanings behind some of the quotes, because I do think some of the quotes were taken out of context. And, or maybe not, maybe not so much taken out of context, but interpreted incorrectly because of the way that he talks. Uh, it a printed quote from from Frazier doesn't 
doesn't sound the same, doesn't mean the same as one that is is verbally communicated. So um, we, we talked about a lot of that th- a lot of that stuff. We talked about the media in general uh, and uh, and just you know the relationship with with the fans and the and the players. So it was super interesting. I had a really really uh, fun time talking to Coley. So that segment is going to be at the back half of this episode. Scott, you and I are going to talk about Frazier. I, I still have a lot of yeah. We got to talk to get too. out on it. So we'll do that towards <laughs> the end of the show too. <clears throat> Quickly though, June twenty second, next BP Crew event against Houston. That's a Saturday night in the Bronx. Those tickets are on sale now. Do not wait. Those tickets are going fast. That game is going to be good. The Astros are one of the best teams. They might meet the Yankees in the playoffs, so it could be a preview of things to come. We also got to get revenge because they swept our ass in Houston last month or over a month ago. Yeah, no, this is mem- and remember the the ticket comes with a um, a Susan Waldman announcement of Dallas Keuchel in Cashman's box, so that's exciting. Although we might get that announcement, I mean that seems like it's three weeks away. That it might need to happen before then. But um, but yeah, no, it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I'm excited for that one. I think it's uh, I think we've now over the past few years really established a, a pretty good rivalry with Houston. Um, mm-hmm. It was piss- it's been pissing me off for the past two days that Ken Giles has been closing out games. I gotta tell yeah. you, it's been it's really been bothering me. But um, new country, new man, new uh, yeah. So we're going back to his old team though with the with Houston and and those tickets are still on sale. Get them this weekend. Uh, Sunday's going to be the last day. I'm cutting it off and uh, all the t- for for t-shirt orders at least they will be ordered on Monday. So if you don't order. Uh, the tickets by this weekend, then you very well may not get your shirt by the event. So um, get those in. And then after that, we got watch parties for the uh, London game in New York at Tavern 29. The July 6th game, which is the invasion game in uh, Tampa, St. Pete at the Trap. We have over 200. We have 200 tickets available for that game. Uh, and then the July 20th versus Colorado is the final BP or the second to last BP event of the season. Yeah, and if you want to go to that watch party at Tavern 29 for the Saturday London game, join the Facebook group BP Crew and join the event, or that we made a uh, meetup event for it. Yep. The only reason is there, there's no tickets involved. We just want to get an estimated headcount for the bar to give them a heads up. So right. would appreciate it if you do that. So like we said, the Yankees hadn't lost a series after winning nine in a row. They also hadn't lost two games in a row until Sunday and Tuesday, and now they've lost three in a row, and that hadn't happened since April 9th, 9th through the 12th when they got swept in Houston and then lost the first game to the White Sox. So that was actually a four-game losing streak, trying to avoid that Thursday. Got to avoid that Thursday. You cannot go to Toronto against a second-to-last-place team. Should be a last-place team if it weren't for Baltimore being historically bad because the Blue Jays stink, too. You cannot get swept. Now, the Blue Jays are not a good team. The you know, I, I said before this series, there's a potential that, you know, you could walk into a, or you could run into a hot pitcher, and that could be that could be one of the problems when you're when you're facing the Blue Jays. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not even looking at that anymore at all. When you when you see how um, this, you know, this series has already lined up, the runs have been there. Uh, the Yankees pitching has been bad, and when you're seeing some of these guys, like I understand there's some potential with this lineup because they're young, and it's it's a it's well, a the year prospects. where they're they're moving forward. Yeah. yeah, so you get you don't you know you you have the Vlad Guerrero Juniors who did burn you, uh, have the ability to burn you because you know the talent is all there. The the Biggios, um, that kid's first home run of his career. I they showed a replay of it last night. It was a it freaking was a upper decker blast. with his dad there. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, but you know they have but, some talent. It's just not established talent. They, I pulled the stat, so they are third to last in baseball in team scoring. 
run scored 3.75 per game. And they, they, they scored four in the first game, but they beat you. And then they put up an 11 spot in the right. second game. And nine of which came against all your good arms. Paxton, Ottavino, Holder, uh, Britton, Canely. All gave, up, all gave up runs in that game. The bullpen was terrible in that Wednesday game. Yeah, I mean, Adovino was probably the, the best-looking of them all, but yeah, Paxton couldn't find the strike zone. Uh, I think walked three guys. They, they stretched him out a little bit further to, uh, to 83 pitches, but he didn't look good. I mean, and when he's not, when he's not around the plate, uh, it's just like any pitcher in the major leagues. If you're not around the plate, these guys can sit on what they want, with the quadrant they want of the strike zone, and they can just mash. And, and that's what we saw. You know, they were, um, Canely got into trouble again. We've started to see that more often, I think, with him. Uh, over the past week or two and but he got out of it to his credit he got out he's starting to really turn into David Robertson in the sense where he lets people on and and but still closes out the innings and then we're seeing just moon balls get get hit up I mean Sessa was freaking terrible uh and uh and Britain at that point though the game well Britain's been good Britain's been good for an entire month yes and then and then last night breaking home run had already been hit in that game once Sessa was in that game the 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 back-breaking home run had already been hit no, no, I'm talking about Britain was the one that was was the guy yes, who's been good for up. the past month, and he's the one who gave up the big yeah. home run. Yeah. So to, well, to, one to, to one guy you don't want to give it up. It's interesting. To. Right. The one thing that's interesting about um, the way the bullpen had to be used on Wednesdays because Paxton couldn't get out of the fifth inning. That means all of the relievers had to come into an inning and then sit and then come into another inning, and I think that showed. That rest in between innings, it's not something they're used to doing. They're, they, this bullpen, as good as it is, as much praise as we've given it, they're like a one-inning kind of bullpen, and it is you put a guy in for a new inning, he gets out of that inning, then you bring your next guy in. Everyone has their role, and everyone seems to be comfortable in it. When things get shaken up a bit, and Adovino has to get the last out of the fifth inning and then come into the sixth inning, we see him struggle in the sixth inning. Canely then escapes that jam and then comes in, and has to has to start his own new inning. Holder's the only one who had a clean, fresh inning, and I know Glaber Torres made an error, but he did give up runs. Yeah, he did give up runs. I mean, that could be something that could be something to look at that that it was a, a factor. Uh, I'm not using that as an excuse by any means. Like they should be able to do that because there's really not an excuse. Not that, I just think it's unusual. It's interesting. For, no, for it's that. an interesting note because because it is uh, consistent with the majority of these guys. But again, like. I, they just just pitch better to a to a bad lineup. How about that? You know, pitch better <laughs> to a bad line. lineups. Don't leave balls uh, <clears throat> over the plate after after not throwing strikes. I mean, the, the the team last night couldn't throw strikes, and when you can't throw strikes, you got problems. I don't care who the lineup is. We saw it. Jay Happ doesn't throw strikes. The Baltimore freaking Orioles are going to light him up. So th- that's the number one number one job as a pitcher in the major leagues: throw the ball over the plate, establish the strike zone. Once you do that, your pitches will become effective and you can get these guys to chase. There's deception, all of these things. But it starts with throwing strikes. Someone tweeted me that five of the runs last night scored by guys not reaching base on a base hit. So they reached base either by a walk or an error. Five of those runs that scored. So you, you handed the Blue Jays five runs unnecessarily. And I know walks are going to happen, but errors shouldn't be happening. They gave. Um, I mean, errors happen too, but walks in, in a bullpen when you have that many guys in the game, honestly, shouldn't be happening. The you shouldn't Glaber be having that many walks when when you're walking when you're when you're coming in. Paxton shouldn't be walking three guys in in less than five innings. So um, I'm not going to sit here and say the walks should happen. Not at that rate. Not at that. No, rate. not at not that even rate. Close to that rate. 
but uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, the Glaber error, I think, was especially bad because it's not a difficult play. The Urshela error, he made a great play. Two, on he a, had two of them, a, right, last night. The first one where the bounced hop went into the runner. And yeah. the the ES booth was breaking it down how it took a weird hop. Yes, I know it's an error because it went past Voight. But that's sort of one of those, like, uh, what are you going to do kind of plays. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those Brian Kenny get rid of the error plays because he makes a sensational play to get to it, throws the ball in the vicinity. Luke Voigt, I mean, it, prob- it probably wasn't his fault, but, uh, you know, there's some level of blame to go on him just because he's such a lumbering, uh, you know, lower half first baseman. He, he can't move his feet. So the I know the, the the ball was going into the runner as well, so it was probably really nobody's nobody's issue there but to me at that point a really good first baseman will probably actually back up and field the ball um and and stop trying to um you know get the out at that point like Mark Teixeira I bet makes that stop yeah yeah you got to anticipate that ball is going to take a weird hop though how do you anticipate how do you no no no, I'm saying how do you anticipate a weird hop well I, I think that you could also see that the fact that the ball wasn't there was there wasn't really much on the ball either and and it was I don't know. It was, it was lamenting. It was. It wasn't getting there quickly. So there was going to be a uh, a difficult time getting that out. I don't know. There's just not a lot. There's not a lot of uh, anticipation. There's not a lot of of um, you know as, as a first baseman from Voigt when he's when he's stretching and reaching for that ball. It's like if that ball is not within, if it's not touching the glove, like that's it. You better chase it then. But in reality, he should be making an adjustment to the ball. And 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 stop the um you know stop it from from get, letting the runner move forward to another base. I don't know. I'm probably being nitpicky at this point, but he's been bothering me lately. <laughs> well, Voight's been annoying you lately. Something that's been annoying me is Tanaka and this trend that we've seen this year, where he looks great through three, four, sometimes five innings in the game, and then he just completely loses it. On two, this is the third time it's happened, like really egregiously this year. First four innings in the game on Tuesday. 43 pitches, one hit allowed, one walk, no runs. In the fifth inning alone, he gave up four hits, four runs, a walk on 32 pitches. It happened in the Chicago White Sox game where he gave up that grand slam in an instant. And it happened in that game in um, Los Angeles at the Angels when he gave up the two home runs in the same inning. And it just looked like this isn't the same pitcher we saw for the first half of this game. What happened? What has changed here? He just loses it. I don't understand how it's how it's so drastically different um, within the game itself. I mean, you could you could look at the uh, amount of times up for the 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 lineup. You could look at fatigue. You could I don't know what you're looking at, but it's it's uh, it's very different. It's concerning that you get to that it, it's that fifth inning. It seems like it seems like it's the fifth inning, uh, and and then all hell breaks loose on occasion. And there's really no signs of it before. It's not like you're looking at a guy that was, uh, you know, not around the strike zone or or getting out of jams by letting people on and, and like kind of dancing with playing with fire. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. I mean, he was extremely good, efficient around the plate for for four innings, and then all pitching of a sudden, to a weak lineup. So it's it's not like oh well, it's just 
the Houston Astros lineup or the Minnesota Twins lineup, which has been great this year, figured him out. No, this Blue Jays lineup is not capable of scoring runs. We've seen we've they've established that over the course of sixty games this year. You just used the uh, Minnesota Twins offensive lineup as an example uh, well, for, num- for a juggernaut. They're like tops in the league in all <laughs> offensive categories. Just, I don't. I don't. I, I, what is this? I, this is strange. I'm still not afraid of them. I mean, I'm not either. But using them in the in the top of uh, um, an offensive juggernaut stat, <laughs> B- Boston. Just, it's, it's How about Boston? It, it throws Boston. me off. <laughs> yeah. The a uh, lot of the big thing in this inning though was people complaining about Angel Hernandez strike zone. It sucked. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Not gonna sit here and tell you Angel Hernandez is a good umpire. He's trash. But I hate blaming umpires. I've said this before, and I especially hate blaming umpires for Tanaka, who yes could have been zero and two on Grishik. But he wasn't, and he's 1-1. One and one. And what does he do later in that bat? He hangs a slider in the middle of the plate. Can we not do that? Can we also criticize Tanaka for making bad pitches, even though, yes, he should have had a couple of strike calls? How That should not be the reason you, your inning and your game gets absolutely derailed. No, there's, there's no reason for that. Angel Hernandez is not a good umpire. It's not like we didn't know that before this game. <laughs> we knew that before this game. This this guy has been. He is who we thought he was. He he's been he's been one of those people who have just been, uh, you know, a serial annoyance for for Yankee fans and I'm sure other fan bases as well, because he's not very good. So this is not something that's uh that's that's a new blame. But how about you're right? Don't leave. How about we not leave a hanging slider over the plate? How about right? that? You know, it's it's similar. It's similar. I'm not going to lie. It's similar, and maybe this is just a trend amongst fans, but it's similar to the Frazier stuff in the sense that... What, we're, so we're blaming the media now. So hold on a second. We're, we're blaming other things, but, but yet the entire yeah. reason we're in this situation is because somebody was terrible in the field. How about we look at that? Because just because somebody... And this goes back to even the Gary Sanchez criticism. I was talking with you know, some, of the, some of the guys in our uh, BP chat behind the scenes, and it's like... I'm not allowed to to criticize a part of someone's game, even though this may be an outlier, or even though they have another. I'm specifically talking about Gary Sanchez from a couple of years ago. Like, of course, if if he had a bad defensive game, just because he's an offensive juggernaut, or supposedly at that point, doesn't mean you can't criticize part of someone's game. I'm like, you can absolutely do that. It doesn't. They're not withstand. They're not separate issues. You can you can actually talk about them. Right. Same thing here. It was a bad pitch. And I get annoyed when people ignore the bad stuff on the field just because the umpire did one thing they didn't like. Right. And then they, they, they think, oh, if that one strike had just gone a different O2 way, count. then the whole game the whole game goes differently. And Tanaka gets out of that inning unscathed, like one, two, three. No, how do we know that's going to happen? Tanaka pitched bad in that inning. I saw that with my own eyes. The first missed strike call, people, I feel like I was the only one who either noticed this or acknowledged it. The first missed strike call, if you look at the replay, uh, Gary Sanchez is calling for a pitch up and in. He's in like a half crouch, okay? The pitch is at the bottom of the strike zone in the middle of the plate. It's still a strike. The The strike zone box called it a strike. Yes, I agree. That is a strike. But you know what? When your catcher has to come from a standing crouch and go down two feet to catch the ball, you're probably not going to get a strike call. It happens at least once a game in every Major night. League Baseball game. Happened last night. Go look at any other umpire. It happens. It happens all the freaking time because 
you're you're looking, you're setting up behind the catcher. You think the major league pitcher is going to throw it near that glove. And when the catcher has to reach two feet to catch a, a pitch, you're just going to call it a ball. It sucks. <laughs> it happens. Let's freaking move on. At the sa- at the same time, it's almost you don't you don't want to, you know, give a guy credit for missing a missing the 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 glove that badly. So he almost didn't deserve the strike for for that particular. But no, it does happen all the time. I mean, it's not just Angel Hernandez who's who's bad. We get it. Um, but no, when you move that much and you you're changing the eye level that much, then a lot of times it's it's uh, it's a missed strike, and it does happen a lot. It happened last night too, uh, with uh, I don't even, I think it was Paxton pitching, but it was it's it's a common thing. It, it is what it is. That's not the reason because if you're in an no. O2 count, who's to say that that slider that's supposed to be buried out of the zone isn't hung over the plate? as well and uh, and we're looking at the same exact scenario so you, you can't just sit there and say that that one pitch makes a difference in the way the Tanaka pitch because it's not true right and uh there's another thing in this inning the so Gary Sanchez threw Craig uh Craig Biggio, <laughs> Greg Biggio's son out trying to steal and Glaber couldn't hold on to the ball if he holds on to that ball it's two outs nobody on instead of a guy on second with one out and maybe that inning's a little differently yeah, I, I think I mean, so. We can we can look at lost scenarios, <laughs> ones that, that you know you have a you have a better strike caller behind the plate. You have a guy that's squeezing the ball and actually making the tag um, uh, at second base. So, whatever it is, what it is. The the bottom line is is if there's things like this that happen, um, it's it's not an excuse for all of a sudden Tanaka to just you know lose his stuff in, in an inning to the Blue Jays and and decide to uh, to give up that many runs and just be a very different pitcher. Yep. That's and the Yankees missed opportunities in this game offensively. One for 12 with runners in scoring position. This was sort of a kickback to last year's sort of losses where you're seeing so many guys on the bases. The only runs they do score come on home runs, and they just can't seem to get the hit when they need it. It, yeah, it was, it was, but, it was, but they've it, been so good in run, with runners so in scoring position and on, they this, were great uh, on the season. Wednesday. They were great Wednesday with runners in scoring position. Yeah, it's, it's hard to – that's the thing. When we're in a, we're in a three-game slide right now. But my God, are we playing with house money? I mean, seriously, we have been playing with house money for a long time. And, and this is just like the, 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 the correction that we've been waiting for for a long time. And, you know, maybe it's happening right now. Maybe you there's just some wish it doesn't come against the Blue Jays, though. Yeah, but doesn't it, that seem appropriate at, that, at the same time? Like, you know, you're, you're doing the, the team that's on the field. If you look at the names before we knew all the success, before we knew what they were going to do, you could see that team losing to the Blue Jays because they're it's Geo. Uh, Urshela, it's 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 these it's um, Cameron Mabin, it's these guys that you don't expect anything from, but now they've exceeded all of our expe- expectations with the play that they've done, and uh, and yeah, you're like no, there's no way you lose to the Blue Jays, but now you're looking at the team, you're like, okay, maybe maybe they could slip and lose to the Blue Jays. <laughs> so if you remember first three games against Baltimore, they lost two out of three, and yep. they haven't lost one since. Maybe that's what's going to happen against the Blue Jays. The first yeah, time they're playing the them all year, we're just figuring them out. These guys, oh, new team, we got to figure these guys out. Once we get their mo, then we're going to kick the shit out of them. You got to sometimes you got to get that little that taste of law of losing in your mouth, right? So so that it's so that you remember what it feels like and remember how much you dislike it, and then you can just go on a on a rampage and win nine series in a row. It's well, it's, this is the this is what we kind of. We touched on this in the beginning of the episode, but this is the first real like big adversity other than injuries this team has faced in a long time because we're getting the Clint Frazier off-field stuff and now we're getting two losses on the, on the field. Yeah. Well, three losses when you're talking about the... Uh, the three in finish, a row. Finishing the, row, the Red right. Sox series. So they had an opportunity 
I think to to sweep that series and and they you know they probably could have come out with a with a sweep if they um, if things went correctly in the field on Sunday and and it didn't happen and there's just been this cloud it's been a cloud over the team since that night and to me it's uh, it it just it's unnecessary and and that's that's one of the that's one of the things why I don't like this 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 streak because there's something else to it like even last night I'm watching the game and I'm just I'm not feeling it. There's just something off. There's something. Uh, I mean, off. once Lemayhu goes yard, that three-run missile. I'm saying, okay, all is right in the world. DJ press reset on this little mini funk. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm watching that game, and it's just kind of like creeping along, and then all of a sudden, there's oh, a yeah. there's an outburst uh, by Lemayhu, who shows up every freaking night. Four seventy-one with runners in scoring position, fifty-one at bats. The dude. It's um seven home runs. You're going to talk about he's that. On, he's seven on home pace runs. for 19 home runs. So. Well, I don't know because you're you're all of a sudden now going back to the game, the per game. Um, no, I'm not. I'm using at bat at bat 600 at bats. Okay, because everybody on the, 600 the, at bats. The Twitter when I asked for a pace was going to yeah. games and you and no. you claimed to agree with it. I but I did the the app. So he has 200 and I think I'm doing this on memory. 216 at bats. Okay, uh-huh. if you on it on a um, are you about to divide some math right now? No, I did this last night. If you project he's going to get 600 at bats, which actually his at bat pace might slow down because Boone talked about playing time once Didi comes back. So we could see LeMahieu get a day or two off. No, nah, man, you got to keep that fire bat. I still think he's going to be a regular. He's going to be a regular everyday player. Yeah, and he should be. <clears throat> but it's 19.4 home runs. Uh, if you at, if you do the at bat pace up to 600 at bats, yeah, okay. So uh, so you know we're pretty close to a third of the way. You know he's obviously the um, the dog days of summer come and the ball jumps. You know we even talked last night with um, with if you're listening to David Wells and Coney in the booth, Wells is talking about the ball and how the the seams are not raised like they used yeah. to be, so it's slippery. So then when the when the humidity starts coming out, it gets hot. You can't grip the ball as well. And Lemay, who's gonna eat that up because he's smart and he knows it and he's going to see the sweat dripping off the fingers and identify that and just crush balls to right field over the monster because that's over the monster over the the uh, <laughs> oh, the wall the monster I guess they're going to be playing a lot of Fenway games it's going to be beautiful it's going to be a beautiful thing and we're going to see uh we're going to probably see 30 home runs if I'm being honest what do you think of the Wells Cone Ruko booth so I like I like the dynamic this is probably not going to be the most popular opinion, and honestly, I was maybe I had my expectations up really high uh, for for the two for the two of of Cone and Wells, and and there were some some good back and forth, but I, I think I don't think Wells is ready for complete games yet in the in the booth. That's, no, he's not. That's the he, end you can tell like he's I, a little uncomfortable with yeah. some of the TV responsibilities, right? Because when. When Ruko or Cone just sort of gets him in natural conversation, I think he was good and he had funny and interesting things to say. But anytime he had to actually like prepare a statement or like when he was doing his scouting report, it was awkward as hell and he repeated himself like four times. And it's fine. But that's not what David that's not the David Well I don't need David Wells to tell me about Paxton's pitch repertoire. Like I can figure that out on my own or I can have Jack Curry or someone else tell me about that. Yeah, Give but he me- can talk about the the reasons and, and pitching in uh, in Toronto and like like yeah. it was the perfect series for them. I mean obviously they planned it this way because yes. Cone and and uh, and Wells both you know were were with Toronto um earlier in their career won a world series so it's a you know it's a it's a place that they have a lot of good memories and they know it well. Uh fans like them. They they apparently st- 
were staying together as well because I think it's funny how it's so. This is what I love. I love the dynamic of the two of them. Like to me, yes. they're they're one of my favorite couples, if you will. Yeah. I, I, I need a memoirs. We need a, a tell-all book of their nights out when they were together with both Toronto and the and the uh, the Yankees. I just need that and. And so uh, Cohen was talking about when we got home last night, David couldn't do this or that. I'm like, it's just, you're like a married couple. It's hilarious. Well, I, well, if you listen to George's box, you know, JJ said that he, his dream two gay dad scenario is David Cohen and David Wells. He thinks they'd be the perfect gay dads to have. But I feel like we're missing, like they'll talk and they'll say something. And I'm like, God, oh, there's an inside joke in there somewhere that none of us get. Yeah. Like something happened in 1994. Right. Between the two of them, and like, what what the hell was it? We'll never know, or hopefully we will not. I, we need that book. Well, that's see. I think it would be almost it would be better if instead of on on the TV broadcast, we just had like a a live Facebook Live or a Periscope on the two of them, where they could just say whatever the hell they want. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be that would be. It would have to not be on Yes Network, which is for we'll take them off of the Yes Network, and and they can go live wherever and start talking. But, but no, I, I think he, it's good. I think I think they need some uh, some more time. And honestly, like I almost feel like. Uh, Cone gets stifled a little bit too because he's trying to help his boy out and like trying to get that that connection. He's not as loose either, so yeah. I don't know. I, there's there's a there's always a um, you have to have a, a dynamic, and whether you know the person or not, it takes time. It takes time, especially because it's in a different scenario and he can't talk. I mean, like when Ruko was talking about that yoga commercial and, and saying that Cone was, uh, you know, on his knees. I mean, David, <laughs> it was teed up, and Wells wanted to just absolutely destroy it. He wanted yeah. to crush it. He and wanted on, to hit it as far as you could possibly hit it in the Rogers Center, and he could. And if we're at a bar, David Wells spends ten minutes ripping into that done. comment. Done. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Um. It, it left a little to be desired because we need like the HBO version of that. But you know, I also thought it was just really great timing that Wells is in the booth, and they were talking about Frazier not speaking to the media because this is a scenario that happened with um, Wells in '98 didn't yeah. take responsibility and didn't own up to his his stuff and Cohn put him in his place really really said hey listen if you're going to be here if you're going to pitch in New York you got to you got to answer to the media it's part of the deal maybe if you're pitching in Toronto or if you're pitching in Baltimore Kansas City name your market other than like your Boston probably Philly you know your real like just media eat it up kind of market you can skate by but I don't know if we want to transition into Frazier now, but if Clint Frazier is going to be a New York Yankee in his career, he is going to have to figure out a way to deal with the media. That's part of being with this organization. It's just is. Yeah, it, it, it most certainly is. And, I, you know, I think when I was talking with Coley, I didn't really like get into my thoughts on this because I was trying to talk about it with him and, and not put him in a position where, because these guys don't want to give their opinions. That's not their job on the on the person. They're not they're not there to judge the person. They're 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 reporting about a scenario. They're reporting about what's happening. The story is that Frazier uh, missed balls in the outfield, and then they couldn't get any quotes from him, so they had to go to other people to get those quotes. Like these guys have to fill their columns every day. They have jobs to do. They have to go out and they have to report facts, and then they have to you know decipher these facts and then write a story about it. So. My, my, my feeling, so I, I didn't get to really talk about like my personal opinions about the whole thing. Um, what and, are they? And, and that's it. You know, like, look, what happened was because of what's on the field. That's what happened. He was terrible in right field. That is what happened. That is the, the thing that occurred that made all of this stink, this stench, this cloud come about. 
And if he, if Clint Frazier had walked up after the game and said, I was bad. If he said everything he said to Coley later that night, but said it right after the game, this would be a non-story. Yep. Non-story. We said that. Does that mean episode. he has, does that mean he has to talk to the media? No, he doesn't have to. He can do whatever he wants to, but, but, but if he doesn't, then, then, then he's not controlling his own narrative. He's not controlling what they are going to write. Not that you can completely control what they write, but you can give them um, guidelines of what to write because you're talking. Now no, that you're you not can. talking, you know what? That's it. You, you can, in a way, control what they write because if you give them a quote and you give them um, time and you're, you say something completely like PC, which is what the Yankees want you to say, they want you to talk without really talking. That's what the whole media training really is right just say say a bunch of words that don't really rock the boat if yeah. you say that to a beat reporter and then he twists your comments or he says if he uh does something that goes against what you say well then guess what that beat reporter is going to be um put on the outside by the rest of the clubhouse because you'll go to your other guys and say hey i told this guy one thing and he yeah. wrote something else <clears throat> don't give him shit from now on so, so i was beat reporter is not going to say something that didn't really happen because then that's their that's their ass that's their job it's their integrity it's their it's their word and when you're a journalist if you don't have a, a word that is dependable and that 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 fans and readers because that's who reads their stuff are the fans if you don't um, trust that guy then you're not going to read him any longer and then if you're not reading him he has no job because the uh, media source has no no use for so that person. you can you can kind of control what they say no I, as long I, as I you totally, don't say anything stupid I, I, like i said you can control it to a point you you can you can say what you want you can dictate the um the words that come out of your mouth and and um you know th there may be other parts of reporting that go into it that, that can change things but yeah you can for the most part um steer the narrative i think that's maybe a better word but the um uh, so I was going back and forth with someone on Twitter last night, and I, and I and I kept going on this conversation, even though it was annoying me, the because I think it's because I think it's a, a you know a misconception by fans. So I felt like I wanted to just like hash it out, but but um I, I don't even remember the, the name. But he was talking about basically that these that the reporters will will just come up with a story no matter what, and that it's the media that 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 is is the reason why this story came about, and, and because Clint Frazier didn't talk about it. It should have ended right there. It's just, it's just not the but case. But that, that's it's what just, Clint Frazier wants people to think. Exactly. Because he, he, he screws up in right field, okay? And then instead of taking ownership for his poor play in right field, what he does is in say... Ownership, public ownership. That's, it's, it, there's two public different things. Ownership. There's ownership within the person, and then there's ownership talking about it to the media so that they can report what you said about the ownership. He tries to, he tries to deflect... Yeah. And take concentration off of his crappy play in right field and say the media is against me and I don't fit in. And Susan Waldman got on me for the number seven thing, which was she apologized for and said she was completely wrong. And Michael K called me out for have a con having a concussion, which, yes, did happen. Michael K apologized for that. And for me having to cut my hair and uh, the media blowing that out of proportion. I agree with Clint. All those three things happened. And you know what? In another market, it doesn't really get the coverage that it gets in, in the uh, Yankees market because there's a million beat reporters. There's a million podcasts. There's a freaking shit ton of Twitter trolls out there. Like That is the beast of being a Yankees fan and being a player on the Yankees. So you want to... You want to be in the Bronx. You want to be big time. You got to deal with that crap. But he went back to that stuff and tried to 
place blame on that instead of taking ownership for what he did now. Because the media wasn't blowing out of proportion his defensive struggles. They were just saying what everyone was just saying what what was. You're bad in right field. You've made a lot of mistakes. And it cost the team runs. And it could have cost the team the game. It did he cost said, the team the game. He said, uh, in, so I saw a transcription of his pregame Tuesday comments to the media. Yeah, which were not good. I mean, I mean not you, have good. A, you have an entire day to think about these comments. Um, he didn't think about them. No. Well, it, I think he did, and then he got in front of the media, and he clearly doesn't like the media, so he clearly thinks well, I, no, he the talks media in circles, is his though, enemy. Too. I mean, no, but, so, he, but does, he said he, he certainly talks in circles about it too, because because things and, and this is Coley and I talk about this this exact quote. So go ahead. Well, no, I think well first before we get to the quote about you're talking about the one about his teammates. Yes, I'm going to say something first. He said that he feels his good hitting has been forgotten during his defensive struggles. Okay, are you kidding me, Clint? That's the only reason you're still there. You can you cannot put on a display of ineptitude in right field like you did on Sunday night and it doesn't matter what you do at the plate when you make 3 of the worst plays anyone has ever seen in right field it is going to get covered that is just reality that goes back to my you old You cannot be so foolish to think that just because you're hitting well that that covers up literally giving up four runs in the field for bad play this is bothering me even more just because we're talking about it so goddamn much too. And 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 the fact that we're this team has been so good this year and and we should be on a uh there should not be this cloud, man. It just it should not be there. It's unnecessary. He created this cloud though. He did create this cloud. And and because look, the Yankees PR advised him to talk on Sunday night and he said no, I don't want to. And they said, "Listen, I'm sure that what they said is Jason Zillow whoever was talking to him it's only going to get worse from you if you don't go talk to the media. And he probably said, the media is against me. They blow the narratives out of proportion. No matter what I say, they're going to spin it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm out of here. So okay. this is the problem. They're, Let's they're, watch what happens. This is the problem. Like you, you, can talk, you can talk to the media. You don't talk to the media. That's your, that's your choice. That's your, that's your decision. There are um, relationships with, with players and media. Some of them are good. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are non-existent. You are choosing how to do this just as much as they are. They have a job to do, so they're going to write something no matter what, whether you talk or you don't talk. They're going to get quotes from you if you're there, and they're going to get, or they're going to get quotes from your teammates um, and your manager and anybody else who will talk about the situation if you're not there. And that's what happened. He put his teammates in a position that was you know, awkward because they got to talk about another guy who had a bad night. Everybody knows it. Like he said, everybody knows it. The, the thing is is you need to stand there and talk about why you know that you know it. We as fans, as, as stupid as it sounds, they need to see the words come out of your mouth that we all, that, that you know that you were bad. And, and when you do that, they, they accept it because nobody likes a comeback story better than New York fans. It's just New Yorkers love a comeback story and they love someone who takes responsibility for their actions, good or bad. Doesn't matter. Be a man, stand up there, and take it publicly. But you, you don't, don't have to. You say you don't, you don't to, have to talk to the choice. media. You say you don't have to talk to the media, and then technically you, you don't. Technically you don't. But when your manager says being a part of a being be uh, part of being a big league player, and certainly part of playing here, is we want our guys to always respond when you have cer- have certainly played a specific role in a ball game. That's part of being a pro. Those comments are saying. When you do something on the field, you have to answer to the media if you're going to be part of the Yankees. 
Yeah, I mean that's just part of the culture. That's what happens. That's what they do. I mean, uh, they were t- JJ and and uh, Keith were talking about on George's box yesterday. Sonny Gray being there and stood in front of his locker. And yeah, I guess he did. He did stand in front of his locker. He didn't really take ownership for anything, but he stood there. He stood there and made dumb comments. But at least that's better, I guess, um, than than not being there and saying anything. Actually, I don't know if that's better or not. But the being contrite, being being understanding like what's going on, being grounded in reality is important. And I think that's what this this whole thing boils down to. This there's two things. One, I think we're seeing a 24-year-old kid who's got some maturing to do. I, I, I mean, I just think he needs to get to get uh, you know some just some years under his belt and understand what happens and listen to guidance. And sometimes, when you're a 24-year-old professional athlete or a 24-year-old kid, no matter where the hell you are in life, you got some stubbornness to you, and there's not a lot of things that come in besides what you think. And a lot of times, you can go to the me versus the world. Everybody's against me. The media's against me. The fans are against me. I'm putting these shoes on. I'm putting the cleats on the bottom of these shoes. I look awesome. This is my deal. I'm trying to be me, and everybody else is holding me down. All these old people in the media holding me down, trying to make up shit about me and do all these things. Were there things early in the, in the Yankee career? Yeah, there were, but they were addressed. Um, it's not like he didn't troll troll the situations as well. He's wearing 77. The reason he's wearing 77 is because it's two sevens, two Mickey Mantles. It's part of the reason. Yeah, Judge. He said it was because trend. of Judge too, and it said it because he's left. Judge is right field, and the positional number is number nine, and he's left field, and the positional number is number seventy-seven. Because if you remember, he wanted um, Dustin Fowler to wear eighty-eight. Yeah. Okay. But he also talked about in a couple podcast interviews the fact that he thought it was funny that it was seven and seven. So right. Let's let's not say <clears throat> that that was not part of the reason because it was. It was all part of it. Uh, Here's the doozy though. He's the, the hold on real quick. The the thing is is that Frazier. Is a, is a good baseball player. I, I don't think he's going to be a bad defensive outfielder for his entire life. I think he's got the athleticism to, to, um, to be average in the outfield you know, and be fine, be adequate. I think that there's some weird things happening, and I think a lot of that boils down to how he handles problems and bad situations. I think at the plate, he can lock in and use that frustration. But when there is a, a time in the outfield when you know, maybe he's not as locked in and focused on every single second of being out there, it, it could be an issue. Uh, well, a couple, couple things about being a uh, good or bad outfield. I agree. He's he's never been um, this bad in the outfield, and I think he was average when we saw him, average to a little above average in left field when we saw him in previous years. And if that's what he's going to be in the outfield and he's going to be a really good bat, then that's, that's great. I was having this conversation with somebody who we went into a rabbit hole, and this could be completely like – Oh, you want to talk about rabbit holes? Hold on. No, a we're going to get to another rabbit hole. This could be a false uh, fact, but the way Clint Frazier runs heel first, when you run heel first, your head bounces around more, and when your head bounces around more, it's harder to track fly balls. <laughs> Look, you're not. Let's let's. There's only room for one doctor on this podcast. Okay. All right. Let's, let's so get that straight. We'll get to that in a second, but I first have to talk about this comment, Frazier. Uh, the question was, when you don't talk, it forces your teammates to answer those questions. Do you regret that? Frazier, quote, I felt like the reasons why teammates spoke for me was to make what happened in the game worse, just to try to continue to make my defensive struggles worse, and the story changed to now I eluded the media, and I don't want them to have to speak for me, but I also want to be on the same page as everyone in there, so I should have been standing in front of my locker. Is Frazier in that quote saying that his teammates threw him under the bus on purpose to help him or to hurt him? 
I don't. Think I actually I, think these comments are saying that my teammates threw me under the bus to try and help me. I think. I think in his weird, twisted mind, he thinks that. Or are they saying to hurt him? I, I can't. I can't make sense of those comments. Well, you know, this is perfect because Coley and I talk about those comments and and what the media was uh, was thinking when these when these were out because they all saw it, and I think to the credit of of the media, um. I don't want to give it too, too much away because they, they, this was a discussion amongst all of them, all of the beat reporters. They, they what do saw, you think? They saw the way these... I, I, when I saw them, I said there's no possible way he, that that's accurate and that he meant that. Because the way that Frazier talks, sometimes he says something and then backs it up and then uh, like backs up by, by saying something... He did it in this quote alone where he's talking about how the, they're trying to make my defensive struggles worse and then he says, I don't want them to speak for me. I just want to be on the same page. No, no, no. But, but I'm saying, what like I'm saying is sometimes page. he... He, he will say something and then literally in the next breath will say something that's that's uh, opposite of what he just said. He walks back, walks back his words um, in conversation. Sometimes he, he talks in circles occasionally. I, I just don't think he's great at communicating what he's thinking in his head. And I think that's part of the problem. I think when transcribed, when you're looking at these uh, these quotes on paper, they're very different than when you hear them and when you hear the, the context and the entire conversation. So I think that is part of, you know, his misrepresentation. There are words that came out of his mouth, but I don't think they were meant in that way. I, I, I truly don't. So you I, don't think he thinks his teammates threw him no, under the no, bus? No, no, I don't. I don't think that. I think that what he meant was was when, um, because he wasn't there, the media asked them to try to get them to throw under the bus because they had to talk about it, and and then it makes it awkward. For oh, everybody so you're saying about it. when he says, "I felt this is, like I the reason why media again." I felt like the reasons why teammates spoke for me was to make what happened in the game worse, meaning the reason the media went to the, my teammates is because they wanted to make my defensive struggles worse. Yes. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I think that he's he's not blaming his teammates. I don't think... Because I don't quite believe that there's a problem, at least there hasn't been, with, with him uh, and his teammates. And that's another thing Coley and I talked about. Do you about, think like, there's a problem now, though? Because... There could I think be. there's some miscommunications. I think that there's probably going to be some conversations happening. And, and Coley brought up a really, really good point about somebody who's not there and who left on Sunday or who left over the yes, weekend. Yes, Judge. I was <laughs> going to bring this up too. So Judge leaves. Does this happen if Judge is in that clubhouse still? Again, teaser. I'm not going to let, let, wait, wait to the, the second half of this, uh, of this podcast because we talk about that. And uh, I think it's when you're, when you're listening to someone talking about this who's in the clubhouse on a daily basis, I think it's, uh, it actually means more than, than you and me just speculating about it. But I, I, have a, I have a feeling if we did speculate, it would be damn close to what the actual truth is. So Frazier hits the home run. It, he, that's got to feel good. And he's stink-eyeing everybody. He's yeah. stink-eyeing the media after the game. The Yankees lost the game, but you wouldn't know it by the look on Clint Frazier's face. He is very pleased with himself that he hit a home run, and he is just eyeballing the media. Someone asks him, "Do you need uh, did, how, about the home run? Like, did, was it I extra even motivation?" Understand. It was like it was like the Charlie Brown teacher talking when I tried to listen back to. The I think it was reporter. about motive, being motive, extra motivated, and Clint just gives him the stink eye. He says, "I don't need extra motivation." Then stink eyes him for ten seconds, and the interview ends. Dude, if this is how you're going to treat the media, for you're not going to be on the Yankees long term. It, Brian Cashman won't put up with it. The Yankees will not put up with it. They will trade your ass so this doesn't happen. There is nothing they hate more than distraction and um, bad PR. Seriously. So, so, reading so, more about this, about the organization, about the front office, about Brian Cashman, they hate bad publicity. 
Oh yeah, they do. The brand at all costs. You protect the brand no matter what. That's that's the number one thing for the New York Yankees. Um, uh, the the stare. So when I saw that, I was like, damn, there is a serial killer stare happening right now. <laughs> he might murder this guy at the end. Then I was like, wait a minute, because there's like no blinking. I'm like, this the blinking thing is what gets <laughs> no you. Because all you got to do is blink twice in there, and it doesn't feel as bad. You know, like when you don't blink, then there's a problem. So there's two things. Cliff Frazier doesn't blink a lot. Okay, it's just he doesn't blink a lot. I went back and I started watching some of the positive uh, interviews that he gives. Doesn't blink a lot. He's a redhead. The the eyelashes hard to see the eyelashes when you have red hair because they're kind of bleached. Yeah. yeah. So so that doesn't help matters either. Um, I went back to the interview. Um, I, I did like a little bit on when he was talking to Meredith and saying all time high, talking about mm-hmm. the confidence level. Right. So yeah. this is after he just was unbelievable at the plate all the good things happening in the world, same stare, same stare with Meredith, like looking dead in her eyes, just like she's just locked in. Like, and, and when you, if you take the audio out of it and you put it in this context, it looks exactly the same. So I kind of think that's just kind of how he talks and looks as well. That's so, his intense face. Yeah, that's just good his, or bad. That's his intense face. That's just his face. <laughs> that's just his face. And I think he's just very intense. And uh, there's, there's not a lot of, um, you know, especially when he's talking to the media, I think he's, he's business. So, so I'm not going to get into like the whole, like he's staring at people. Like, I, I actually don't think that that was the case. There may be a little bit, but I think it was a little bit. I but think go back and look at some of the interviews. Uh, he, you give, you see a lot of the same demeanor for, um, well, for he clearly happened. thinks the media is against him. Look, and I, I'm here, 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 here's the reason why this is all happening. Okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the, the reason everybody knows if you listen to the show that I'm a doctor uh, I have a uh, a medical degree from somewhere, and DeVry Institute and DeVry, and I, I I think this is this is a very very solid reason and explanation as to why we're seeing this. And my esteemed colleague Joe Rand Joe Randazzo, who's a writer on Bronx Pinstripes, brought this to my attention. He heard about this initially. I've heard Joe Rogan on talk the Joe about Rogan this. show. Toxoplasmosis. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard. Him all right. Talk about can this you, a all right. You just stop talking about it because you're not the doctor here. Toxoplasmosis. This is this is something that makes you hyper aggressive. This is a real. This is a real thing. It's a parasite that lives in between 30 and 50% of the global population. That's the amount of people that are infected. That's a lot of people. The majority, overwhelming majority of these people that are infected are redheads from Atlanta, are not redheads from Atlanta, but ones that own domestic cats. Okay. This, (laughs) this particular virus is found in animals, especially domestic cats. We know that Clint Frazier loves his cleats and his shoes. And on Mother's Day, he had two cats. I don't know what their names were. I forget their names. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I, I don't know their names. He saw Sprinkles them. We saw them on, on his cleats because his mother has cats. He's grown up with cats. He has his own cats. He's been around felines for a long time. They're probably infected. He's probably infected with toxoplasmosis. And that's a big reason why this is happening. Let me tell you a little bit more about it, okay? This is a direct quote from a Stanford study. Okay, Stanford did the research on this. Not much is known about the impact on the human brain, but there are clues. We know that infection increases testosterone levels in male brains. Hello, check mark. Making them more likely to get into car accidents, more attractive to females. We know he likes the women. And more prone to being jealous, dogmatic, and dismissive of authority. Check, check, check. Look, this is a real thing. I think that he needs to get tested. I think that he needs to, um, he needs to go for, you know, not the MRI machine, but they need to do some blood work and why this is happening. This could very well not mix 
you know, with the symptoms of a concussion and make them draw on for a long time. He's obviously dismissive to authority. He's obviously a jealous guy. The, he, he doesn't like uh, conflict when it has to do with his own performance. He, he, he dis, he, he'll, he'll deflect it. So I think this is a real thing. I think this is an absolute real thing. The testosterone off this guy, I mean, all-time high. We heard it from his own mouth. Well, first of all, this might be the most ridiculous this podcast has ever gone, trying to diagnose a medical issue. We usually stick to, is your tissue injury hard or soft? Uh, and now we're going into brain... brain um, we, no, it's, first of all, first of all, okay. <laughs> my, 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 wife, my wife just defended her thesis in front of the board, so she's literally like, very close to being a doctor. So there will be Dr. Reinen in this house. There will be Dr. Ryan in this house. When you speak about tissue injuries, Andrew, please don't talk about the injury being soft, the injury being soft or hard. The tissue is soft. That's what I not said. I said is the tin- I said the tissue. No, Are we talking didn't. about tissue being hard or soft? I did. We'll check the tape. We anyway, Clint has talked about I've never fit in. Never fit in as a kid, never fit in all throughout high school, into into my pro days. I, I never fit in. So how does tax Taxo, toxoplasmosis fit into that because he's had it his entire life he doesn't fit in you just made oh my i thought you were saying stronger. this was caused by a concussion no i just told you it was caused by being with cats cats are, are the ones that inf- are infected and cats are infecting humans i thought it was yes. just like people who have this also have cats no the virus is found in the cats the cats transmit the virus i'm not freaking joking this is real 30 to 50% of the American population have this. They actually have it. And the overwhelming majority of those people have domestic cats. I'm not joking. This is real. Look it up. Stanford said it. It's a fact. Science. Toxoplasmosis is a real thing. And Clint Frazier is infected. Some say it's good for athletes. Some say that... Yeah, they're, don't they're, you want your... The, the Stanford study was actually talking about soccer players and it being a good thing because they're more aggressive. But it, it can lash out in certain ways, and I think that's what we're seeing. We know he's phenomenal at the plate. You maybe know, it's good for certain speed. sports. Maybe football. Maybe it's good for football. Probably well, soccer. No, I think it's good for baseball in certain situations. I think it's great at the plate. I think it makes you aggressive. It makes you quick. It makes you all of these things, confident. But sometimes when you're in the, you know, when you're in the outfield... You need a little catnip to get back to the to to, to get you know some uh, some focus going. Maybe you're maybe you're too hyperactive and looking around and, and hearing too much of what's going on in the stands and not focusing on the little white ball that's coming at you. Do you think that Clint Frazier will be on the Yankees roster next year? Yes. So you don't think they're going to trade him? Because no, I, I don't. I, I think that this is a look. I think this is a growing. Issue. All everything. Be, everything aside, I think Clint Frazier is a good player. I think he's a, a a good a good dude. I think he is misunderstood, and I think partly because of partly the reasons he's misunderstood is his own doing. Um, but I think his, he's got some. This was his own doing. All that other stuff with the the number, the hair, all that other stuff. I don't think was his own doing. Now that's think- bullshit too, though, because I think a lot of it had to do with him. He sensationalized the hair. It's not like he was running away from the hair. He was embracing the hair thing. As much as it was an issue with anybody else, it was a known issue for the New York Yankees. Everybody knows you shave your beard, you cut your hair. That's well, it. You, did you see that um, uh, there was a story, I forget who tweeted it, but uh, that when 
everyone was talking about Clint Frazier when he was in the minors having to cut his hair and yeah. it, he still had the long hair. Sabathia purposely started to grow his beard out so the Yankees would have to say something about their facial hair policy publicly and say Sabathia needs to shave his beard. And then that got Clint Frazier to cut his hair. I guess. I mean, I, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, scheming on the, on the side of, of CC Sabathia. But you know what? Really, if Sabathia really is doing that, with the if flow. he's really, if he's really, he's not, being that he would type just, of leader, he would just tell Clint Frazier to cut his fucking hair. I agree. I agree with that. But you know what? Right now, Sabathia, someone judge Gardner, someone needs to have a conversation with Clint Frazier. Maybe they already have. I think someone have. needs to have a conversation with him and say, listen, man, we want you to play on the field the best of your abilities, and that is minimizing distractions off the field. I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think that's not happened. I think it has happened. Uh, well, he's not listening. And if he's not listening to his teammates and he's not listening to the Yankees PR and he's not listening to his coaches about off-field stuff, he won't be on this team long-term. They're not going to put up with it no matter what he's doing on the field. They will trade him. Um, so, I mean, we could say he's not doing it, but it's an isolated situation where, where this happens. One situation so far that we've seen a, a, a big pushback. I think he needs to clean it up. I think he's, he's got some, some, you know, some things to do. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I think they like him as a player. I think he can be a special player at the plate. I mean, I really do. I think once he gets more comfortable and, and shit slows down a little bit for him and he's seen more of these pitchers more often, like that bat speed becomes even more lethal and, and he's going to be you know, hitting the ball out uh, of the park more as he, as, he, as he progresses in his career. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player at the plate if he can figure out the defense thing, which I fully, fully expect him to be able to do. Um, no, he's not this bad of a defender. I don't think, any, a, I don't think anyone who's player. in professional baseball is that bad of a defender, frankly. Yeah, no. So, um, so yeah, I do think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be the, uh, the left fielder for, for a lot of, uh, for many years. And I think the Yankees have a lot more to lose than him not being on this team than they do to gain at this point with these distractions and trade value and such like that. So um, I think he's more of a value on this team and just needs to, <laughs> needs to clean some stuff up. We've we've seen guys that have been immature with the with the media and and have been able to fix it. And I think he just needs to fix it and grow up a little bit. It's I don't think it's that serious of a problem. I think he's made it into one big thing and I think we'll forget about this in a week. I want to quickly touch on two more topics before we get to the Coley Har- Harvey segment. So Dallas Keuchel has not signed yet. Yankees Braves talking about being the leading contenders for him. Yankees reportedly don't want to go to multi-years and they don't want to budge on their about 17 or $18 million prorated offer to him. Um, Kimbrell signed three years, yeah. three years, $45 million. I'm happy he's out of the American League. I don't know how that how the fact that he got three years affects if Keiko is going to sign for a one year or a multi year deal. I know we've talked that it's in Keiko's best interest to sign his prorated seventeen or eighteen million dollar contract, pitch his ass off for the rest of the year, maybe win a World Series, and then re enter free agency and I mean, try that, and get that's a, a that's a lot of that's a lot of things to, to a lot to of things correct. to happen. But is that better than signing like three and forty-five for Kimbrel? Is is Keiko gonna settle for three and forty-five as a starting pitcher? Yeah, I think that um, you know potentially with the with the uh, with options built into it at some point. Um, you've, we've seen it. The, I think these guys are are worried about the next collective bargaining agreement. If you can get a a bunch of money, uh, maybe not to the AAV that he wants, but a bunch of a lump sum. And, and he can get guaranteed dollars under his belt and put it in the bank account and and uh, turn that into more 
with some of investments. I think that that he could do that absolutely, especially now that he's seen what's happened on a free agent market where it didn't go his way. So yeah, I think it's would, a real possibility. Would you be okay with the Yankees giving him more than one year? Keuchel. Uh, Keuchel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you I would. would. Yeah, why not? You, you want to go two years with an option? Fine. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only way that Keuchel's a Yankee is if he agrees to a one-year deal. I think they'll go up in money. I, I think, think they've already addressed that. Shove, yeah, you asked if I would do it, but the Yankees, I think, are going for one year. Yeah, one year. Maybe they'll... Because if you're going to pay him $17 million prorated, what, what's the difference between that and $20 million prorated? You know what I mean? You're already over the luxury tax. We talked about this last time. If it's just the one year. I think they're more concerned about the years. I think they want... Quote, flexibility in that rotation. They signed Hap to a two-year deal with an option. Sabathia is going to be out of the rotation next year because he's retiring. They, they've got um, locks for, for the next couple of years, assuming healthy. Tanaka, Paxton, Severino. Jordan Montgomery's a question mark. Domingo Herman and his future. They hope he's going to be there. Other minor league guys. I don't think... I, don't, I, I think they want the flexibility over the locking in long-term free agent. If there's a possibility to you know come to some kind of a compromise, and Yankees are at one year, Keuchel wants three now that he looks at what Kimbrel just did, and there's a two year with an op similar to what J Hap signed. That's the deal I'm looking at. If you're looking at that, that's that's where I, I think that um you know there could be some kind of because if you're if you're if you're going to sign that deal for Dallas Keuchel at this point, like yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Like I I think that would be a very good deal. You have Dallas Keuchel uh, in the back of your rotation at worst case, like okay. <laughs> That's that's living good. That's that's eating well, you know, yeah. having your rotation with uh, with uh, if Dallas Keuchel isn't pitching to the way that, you know, he has in the past, but is your is in the back of your rotation. That's a good thing. And Dallas Keuchel fan projections for the rest of the year, about 95. If he signs with the team soon, 95 innings pitched to a three, eight, four ERA, three, eight, nine, FIP, one point seven war. That is eerily similar to what Bumgarner is projected for the rest of the year. And I know people are saying they know the name Madison Bumgarner. He's a playoff legend. Why would the Yankees go out and trade for, for Madison Bumgarner? You're going to have to give up assets and then sign him. So it's just money with Dallas Keuchel. If you can get him for just money, that might be a better Dallas Keuchel's option. no slum in the playoffs either. I mean, he's destroyed the Yankees time after time. He's won a World Series. The guy has experience. It's not like he doesn't come out with postseason experience. The guy is, is, a, is a veteran that has very, very good um, postseason winning experience. So it's not like we're looking at a guy that's never been there and, and done that. He has. Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, even people that are talking about Bungardner, you're getting, you know, maybe not to the extent of the postseason. You're also assuming, lore, but, and I, I, the, I've heard people use the comparison, well, Justin Verlander wasn't pitching well in Detroit and then he got to Houston. Are we assuming that that same thing is going to happen with Bumgarner? I think that's a very different big, big leap. They're very different. It's a pitchers. big leap. It's, they're, they're just two different guys. You can't ever don't compare one guy who's even older than uh, than than Keuchel. Come in and uh, you know compare it to that. Justin Verlander throws 100 miles an hour. Still, Keuchel doesn't. They're different pitchers. Well, no, we're pitchers. talking about Bumgarner. They say that Bumgarner is going to get rejuvenated oh, when he whatever. gets traded to the Yankees. Okay, so maybe Dallas Keuchel will as well. <laughs> Again, he's no slouch. Boone, he's not Geo to- Gonzalez. People are acting like he's Geo Gonzalez. He's not. Dead arm. Boone talked about Didi returning on Friday and how the infield's going to shake out. So Didi plays shortstop two or three days, maybe three or four. Uh, sorry, two of three days, maybe three of four a week. 
Torres plays mostly second base and moves to shortstop when Didi is resting. LeMahieu plays twice a week at second and twice a week at third base and occasionally spells Voigt at first base. Urshela plays mostly third base. That is the plan that Boone laid out. Couple things, takeaways from there. Number one, Urshela's Estrada's name is not, men- not mentioned, which means he's probably the one that's being sent down. Right. And Urshela looks like he's going to have his time reduced because if LeMahieu is playing two days a week at third base, that means that's taking away from Urshela's time. I don't agree with that. I think that I think the DH is going to come into play here. I think they're going to use the DH as the as that spot to get people in. But Urshela uh, and Urshela, if he continues to hit, he'll be slotted into that DH spot too. I think yeah, they're, they're, to get guys in and make sure that they're playing. I don't see a lot of um, more uh, reduced time for any of these guys, even with DD coming back, because I think there's enough until until there's you know a, a, a bigger problem in the outfield, and you have to start moving those guys through the DH spot as well. Uh, you'll, you'll see these guys play every day still. Well, they also like to use Sanchez at DH a couple times a week. Yeah, but I th- but Didi's going to rest. Like you're looking at who's going to rest. It's going to be Didi uh, on occasion, not for long, uh, but just to get him back in the mix. He's not going to be playing every single day. But you know, Lemayhu, you were talking about. He's going to get a day off one out of three or one out of four days in the beginning. I mean, uh, but yeah. how long is that going to last? I, I don't know. I think it <clears throat> it probably lasts for the first month. I would guess. Maybe. I mean, he's a, he's a cyborg. He doesn't need it. He's, he's just getting it. So I, I don't think LeMahieu, you were talking about potentially LeMahieu's at bat getting cut. I, I definitely don't think that's going to happen. He's the best hitter on this team. <laughs> Until Didi comes back. Estrada, yeah, he's probably going to be the one sent down. Morales is not doing anything still, but it's, I just still think they're going to keep him on the roster for his left-handed bat ability to play first base until they get more guys back. All right, Yankees got one more in Toronto. You got to win this game. You cannot get swept. And Edwin Jackson, that guy's been on a trillion teams. He stinks. I was going to say, has he been on every team in Major League Baseball? I think he set. Didn't he set the record? He, I think he may have. Maybe that's yeah. It seems Hap like he is has, going for the Yankees back to his old stomping grounds of Toronto, and then they're going to Cleveland, where we're going to get DD back. And uh, Cleveland's a 500 team, and they're nine games in, in the loss column and back in Minnesota. They they might be done. The Indians' window might be officially shut. Yeah, talk about some uh, some other pitchers that are going to be on the market potentially at the at the at the trade deadline. Look over there, and I know Carrasco just went home uh, for something. They sent him home, but the um, they got some guys on that on that pitching staff that that are going to be very attractive come come the trade deadline. And and don't think that that's not used as a bargaining chip. All of these guys that are going to be available for teams that are struggling against Dallas Keuchel because it is that's a that's another thing that Dallas Keuchel has to deal with right now are the amount of arms that are potentially going to be available at the trade deadline because there's a good amount of them, which may reduce the cost, which is a, could be a very good thing for the Yankees um, overall. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, that's going to do it for us. Submit mailbag questions, call the voicemail line, all that good stuff for next Monday's episode. Stay tuned for the segment with Coley Harvey. Scott, one last thing. One last thing is the uh, the MLB draft happened. I know a lot of people obviously have been talking about it happened on the, on the off day. A couple Jersey kids got taken. If you're looking at the big names, um, Anthony Vol- he was the he's a shortstop from uh, Del Barton in Jersey, and then his teammate later in the 20th round, Al Leiter's kid, uh, got taken. That, he's not signing. It's almost impossible for the Yankees to sign him. If you look at the new rules of the way they have to spend money in this draft, there's a lotted money for rounds. So don't get your hopes up for that. He's going to Vanderbilt. Um, but Volpe is also committed to Vanderbilt too. So it'll be interesting. Is it Volpe or Volpe? It's, it's Volpe. Ruko said Volpe on the... If it's uh, Volpe, then, then I'm saying it wrong. But I'm looking at that and saying Volpe. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll get his name right at some point. We butcher names on this show. That's what we do. 
the we don't know if he's going to sign. That's the other he's thing. The like, Yankees fan. It's, it's projected that he's going to sign. It's 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 um it's probable he's going to get a lot of money. You know, if I were him, I'd sign. First rounders have been signing recently because yeah. of the signing bonuses they get. It's hard to turn down that kind of cash when you're because you can no always go back. You can always go back to college. <laughs> yeah, you can always go back to college. But the, um, it'll be interesting because he hasn't signed yet. Uh, but we've had the the last what four first rounders the on the last show? few first round picks with Since um, going back to Rutherford. We've had the last uh, four. I Clark think. Schmidt, Ziegler, yep. Ziegler. So um, I've already talked to uh, to Anthony as well. So he's uh, when when he's available to talk, when he's allowed to speak, uh, he'll, we'll get him on the show as well. So um, good good uh, good stuff for the kid. Yankees have some good players. Don't worry about where guys get drafted because half the time it changes where as far as positions where they actually play um, when they get into the minor leagues. And we won't see any of these guys for at least three years. Why are the Yankees taking a shortstop? They have Didi Gregorius coming back. Three to five to never. All right, we'll talk to you Monday. All right, guys, I'm excited to bring on our guest, Mr. Coley Harvey, who is the Yankees reporter for ESPN. Coley, thanks so much for coming on and joining the show. Yeah, Scott, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to it. So, so you're kind of the man of the hour, I got to tell you, as far as uh, you know, all the, the beat guys go. We're, we're, we've been looking for updates, and I think over the past, what, three days or so, the, <laughs> the information out of Yankees land has been uh, really primarily surrounding uh, – an outfielder that we have, Clint Frazier, and you were the guy that was able to get these, uh, you know, those late quotes after the Red Sox game on Sunday. So, um, how you feeling? How's how's Toronto? How's everything? How's everything going up there? Uh, well, Toronto's great. Uh, actually, today as we're talking, it's raining, so uh, so kind of a kind of a damper of a day. But uh, but in general, it's you know, it's obviously uh, always great to be up here. Uh, you know. I like the Canadians. I like the I like the city. I love it. You know, this is really cool. But uh, but as far as like what we've been dealing with these last couple of days, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been it's it's been almost unlike anything I've really ever covered. Uh, you know, in my career, um, it, it's just kind of strange that we've had baseball discussions that have kind of blended over into life discussions that have blended over into all these things that uh, it, it, I don't I don't know. It's, it's been kind of strange. Uh, the way things have kind of all, you know, uh, the confluence of things, the way things have come together here. But, um, but you know, it is what it is. It's uh, uh, the Yankees are still playing winning baseball, and and uh, you know they're, uh, they're they're somehow getting through some of the noise that is now uh, kind of going on with some of the adversity that they've had uh, throughout the year with the injuries. Yeah, I mean, injuries. Talking about adversity, that's a that's one of the more remarkable stories in baseball. I think this year with um, you know the the replacement guys, quote unquote, from coming up and and taking the helm of the Yankees and really not missing a beat. Um, but the the adversity that has happened is in the last few days, you know, has has developed in two losses, which is you know their first losing. Uh, yeah. Two game, two game streak, losing streak. If it's a streak, uh, in, in quite some time. So I got to believe that there's 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 a weird atmosphere happening right now, and it's a sh- and it's a shame that that's happening because these guys have come through so much. Like you said, that something like this that kind of came out of the blue because a guy actually yeah. didn't perform well on the field, and now it's all this off the field mess. Just I, you know, uh, I want to get into some more details about it, but just kind of you being in the situation. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on it so far? Yeah, um, you, know, you know, I guess, I guess the, the main thing I, I, I have is that uh, it has been the timing. You know, the timing of it has been really uh, off just because, 
this ship was really rolling. There was, you know, there, there was, you know, nothing externally that seemed like it was slowing it down. Again, you had all the injuries that the Yankees have gone through this year. And, you know, that's all been, that, that all kind of had been put on the back burner. And now all of a sudden uh, they're having to answer questions about, uh, you know, uh, some baseball related things and then even some that aren't. Um, and it, it really does feel like it kind of came out of the blue. It also just kind of feels like, um, you know, maybe it's because they're missing a voice or two or they're, or, or uh, uh, that can maybe solve some of this kind of kelp, you know, keep some of this from, uh, from, from blowing up the way that it has. And I, I guess when I say missing the voice or two, I just mean, you know, you've got uh, players like Aaron Judge, you know, who is the leader uh, in the clubhouse, has been the leader even throughout the time that he's been on the I.L. here the last uh, month or so, or I guess now almost two months. Um, you know, now he's out of the clubhouse because he's in Tampa rehabbing and, you know, who knows, maybe that's had a, a little bit of a minor, um, you know, uh, after effect, side effect, so to speak, on kind of the way that, uh, that some of the drama has has uh, blown up, at least in the last couple of days. I think also, you know, what has kind of helped fuel some of it is uh, the fact that, of course, we're, we're talking primarily about Clint Frazier not speaking to, uh, to the reporters after Sunday's game, but also you had that off day, Monday, which mm-hmm. that allowed some things to kind of fester that probably allowed some things to fester into his mind. And then, you know, you get to Tuesday and, um, and just some of the things that were said Tuesday that he, uh, probably needed to have either had some more time to think whether he really wanted to say them or had he not had that full extra day to just kind of stew in it. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't say, uh, maybe he doesn't say some of those things then, but, uh, regardless, whatever it is, fact of the matter is he's actually still performed. The team is still trying to perform. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I still have to imagine that by the end of the week, uh, this would probably be blowing over and, uh, they'll be back to business. Yeah. I mean, you'd think it would, you'd think it would blow over even after the off day, but you're right. The, the fact that the off day was there and, and you guys, you know, didn't have baseball to write about. You had, you had storylines to write about essentially. And, yeah. and, and Clint Frazier was that guy. I mean, he, he, he kind of did it to himself in the fact that he didn't talk to you, um, after the, uh, the Red Sox game, knowing that, that, I mean, he was the story of that game. That was, that was the clear story for the, for the New York Yankees. And, and he chose not to, um, to put his, his words, uh, you know, to, to your guys' microphone so that, so that you could write about that. But, um, you did end up speaking with him later that night. I'm curious. I, I was, um, was looking, I saw that you're from the Atlanta area. Does that, do you have a good rapport with, with Frazier? Is that, you know, being, being from the, you know, a similar area from the same region, does that, um, does that help things with, uh, the communication? Sure. I mean, I, I'd like to think that that probably does play a little, uh, little role in, 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 in having a rapport with him. You know, I, I feel like I've got a rapport with several players on the team, uh, for varying reasons too, but, uh, sure. but probably what also has helped uh, just specifically speaking about Clint is, um, you know, in the off season, I went down into the story with him, uh, kind of about his road to recovery from the concussion that he had last year and, uh, you know, and spending time with him and, uh, some of the people that are closest to him, uh, there in Atlanta, not just, you know, doing it from New York, calling, you know, calling on the phone, but actually being in Atlanta, I think that, uh, may have also, uh, uh helped too. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, I, I was glad that he at least said something uh, that night. I know that uh, that that's been kind of a big uh, point of contention for some of the fan base the last couple of days. Is you know I know some people are saying, well, at least he did say something. And there's others who say, still too little, too late. And it probably you know at the end of the day was, but uh, at least at at the end of that day, by you know <laughs> you know one o'clock, two a.m. or whatever time of the morning it was, um, at least he did 
essentially own up and say, look, I messed up. I, I made mistakes. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. This is what I'm doing to get better. And I'm trying to make sure that it won't be a problem ever again. Uh, you know, everything that he said in that statement was what he should have said to the cameras that night. Right. Um, but again, the fact that he said that it was, it was, it was big. It was important. It also showed uh, a level of humility and it also seemed to show a level of, okay, we're going to move on. Of course, we all knew that he was going to have to speak to uh, to reporters on Tuesday um, here in Toronto, and uh, and at that time, uh, you know, we had that feeling that okay, well, he's going to say something, you know, but you just kind of thought that he was going to kind of toe the line that he ended up towing uh, when, when he spoke to me late uh, Sunday night, and um, unfortunately for him, I think uh, that did not happen, and uh, you know, he kind of uh, he certainly was was very revealing. I think he was very uh, emotional, very passionate. Um, you know, you can really see how much uh, a lot of this does mean to him, and I think that was important for him to get across. But, uh, but it's probably it was probably the, the kind of thing that for him, um, he needed to just you know essentially stick to the the couple of bullet points that I, I thought that he stuck to uh, in his comment to me, and uh, and just kind of left everything at that. I think that's what he should have done on Tuesday. And, uh, again, it, we would not be talking about this a couple of days later, uh, I think, had he done that. Now, the, um, the communication that you had with him after the Red Sox game late that night, was that a, was that a verbal uh, statement or did he text that to you? Because that's, I feel like it's different with him when he's communicating verbally that he, he almost sometimes you know, can, can say too much, like you, like you kind of mentioned, and, and not have that, um, those bullet points. Um, you know, I, I'd rather not say exactly uh, how it all went down, but I, I will say that uh, you know, yes, when when standing before uh, multiple people, several people, uh, you know, with the cameras going in that moment, I I agree that you know perhaps you uh, you do pause and think a little uh, a little more about what you're going to say, or we well on Tuesday didn't necessarily do that, but I, I think uh, traditionally, typically, those are moments when uh, when you would. Uh, uh, probably have a little bit extra pause before you actually uh, say what you're going to say, um, but uh, but yeah, sorry, I, I I don't really want to divulge too much of, uh, of of how it went down. Oh no, that's good. Uh, that's that's in, good. in part because that's that's kind of his his privacy as well. Understood. You have a rapport with him. I'm not trying to mess with that. Um, we, we 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 like good information. I don't care how you get it. Um, <laughs> the 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 one of the interesting things that he that that seemingly has come across the fan base. And I think a lot of it was because of the things that he said too. It's almost like now there's a narrative that it's Clint Frazier versus the media. And, and the the fans are picking up on that in, in, in two different ways, I'd say like, you know, one of them saying half of of the people are saying, you know, there's, this is a, a clear case of immaturity. I'm on that side that, you know, he's not handling, um, adversity well, and that he's, he's really just turning some of his own struggles on and deflecting them. And now he's, he's pushing back against the yeah. media. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how that's, how that's happening, but this all stemmed from, you know, poor play in right field. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's really at the end of the day, that's all this is or should be about, right. um, you know, because that's the whole reason why there were questions in the first place, because, you know, the, at the end of the day, you also have to think about, the fact that he has really benefited from a lot of positive press this sure. year because he has been so different and unique with his, uh, you know, choice of, of footwear, right. you know, with what he's done with the cleats. I mean, it's uh, just personally, I, I think it's actually kind of cool and kind of quirky. You know, uh, it, it shows some personality that we don't always see in this game. So I've, I've actually kind of applauded it, uh, you know, from the background, just from what I've just from what I've observed with that. But at the same time, 
you know, you, you, you can't just have it, you know, one way. You, you can't just uh, uh, benefit from the acclaim and the attention that you're getting for something that's good and different and quirky. And then when something goes wrong, especially when you play for this team, you, you, you can't just, you know, uh, shy away and avoid uh, the, you know, the, 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 I guess, confrontational aspect of it. Sure, that could, that could be a result, but it doesn't have to be confrontational. It could just be, hey, man, X, Y, Z happened. You know, you didn't play well in this regard. What do you have to say about it? You know, why did this go wrong? You know, what happened on this play? It's just essentially taking ownership and having a chance to explain yourself. You know, that's, that's kind of my, that would be my biggest message to him is that, you know, hey, you, 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 you have an opportunity to uh, defend yourself without being defensive. And I think that's been what has happened is that instead of uh, defending himself, uh, you know, there, there have been these moments where he's felt defensive for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that's where you saw him bring up some of the past uh, issues, which, you know, certainly I, I wasn't here. I wasn't covering the team at the time, but from what I do know, of some of those situations, whether it was the hair or the numbers, um, you know, uh, yeah, there was some of that that was probably not uh, uh, fully hashed out the way it should have been. Um, some of it was. And uh, regardless of whatever the case may be, it's in the past. It's over and done with. Right. You know, that has been, you know, uh, long buried. The, the dirt's been shoveled on top of it. Let's move on and let's focus about why your play right now is an issue and not uh, not some of this other stuff. So, um, you know, I, I guess that that's the biggest thing is is uh, take that take that opportunity to defend yourself uh, or uh, to explain yourself and, and to defend kind of what happened, but don't be defensive. And I think that's uh, that's kind of where things went wrong on Tuesday and why this is still a story. This all being said, um, you know, he's a player who does have respect in the clubhouse. There are players who like him. You know, there are people around the team who like him uh, and that they care about him. Uh, you know, there are people who have. Uh, leaned on him and, and tried to, you know, give encouraging words or give some advice. And, uh, you know, and it's it's up to them to continue to do that. And it's also up to him to accept what they're saying or figure out some kind of way to come to an agreement, uh, some kind of compromise with what they're saying and with what it is that he feels like uh, is actually best for him. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, this whole, you know, media versus Clint thing, that I don't know why that is becoming an issue. I don't know why that's becoming a storyline. Um, I, I mean, I, I know why, because of what happened on Tuesday, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, that, that's not what this is. You know, the, the media, we're not out to get a particular player. We're not out to make someone's life hard. We're out to try to explain stories, try to provide context, try to provide facts and, uh, you know, try to actually just, you know, show people why they should be interested in something. And clearly, uh, uh, there are reasons to be interested in this Yankees team. And unfortunately for him right now, this is one of those things that, uh, that is keeping the interest in, in probably uh, an adverse way. Um, but again, it's, it's all part of the narrative. It's all part of the story. And, you know, we're storytellers and we're, we're fact seekers. And, uh, and um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't understand the folks who don't quite get that, <laughs> but that, that's certainly an element out there too. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think there's a, I think there's a, um, a misunderstanding of, of, of how and why you guys do your job. And, and, and by no means yeah. for the majority, I mean, I, I'm sure there are exceptions like there are for any, any job or any the, you know, way when people are interacting, but for the majority of the time, I mean, you guys are looking for facts. You need to, um, like you mm -hmm. said, explain what's happening and, and, you know, on the side 
of Clint Frazier on on Sunday night, he had an opportunity to try to to Absolutely. relatively control that narrative and and to Absolutely. get to get that to reel it in to to um you know put his own stamp on on what you guys write and and he failed to do that so you know at that point you're trying to gather as much information I mean and and some of the some of the comments that you um, that I've read just through transcripts and I don't know if they're taken out of context or or, or whatnot um, they're not sometimes mm-hmm. things aren't transcribed you know the way that they're meant. Um, mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. seems like he was throwing some of his, uh, to be frank, th- some of his teammates under the bus. And, you know, uh, you mentioned that he's well, he's respected in the, in the locker room and, and things like that. But is there, he, I mean, just from his mouth, he talks about not being able to fit in here yeah. his whole life and all these things. So, you know, we're all yeah. looking around and saying, okay, do we have a problem here? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely think that that's a, a sentiment shared by even people in the clubhouse. Now, I, I will say about uh, some of those comments, I, I've seen them out there, too. I was standing there, and I, I, I got to say, too, that, you know, that was kind of a, a point of contention even for some of us uh, who cover the team. You know, we heard it, we started transcribing it ourselves, and we're all saying, well, what did he mean here? Because it doesn't sure. sound right. And because actually in the very next breath, uh, where it sounds like he's criticizing his teammates, he actually says, I should have been standing in front of my locker. I messed up. That was my, you know, I mean, in the same breath, he says the exact opposite of that. So uh, just to add a little context, what I think, and I haven't had a, you know, uh, since then I haven't had a chance to ask him to see what he actually meant. But from what I could gather, just listening back in in the context of the questioning and everything, I believe that was him trying to to say essentially he thought that uh, the reason why we were talking, the, the reporters were talking to his teammates was to essentially uh, drum up this story about uh, how poor his defense was, and 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 that be, you know, and kind of blow that up. Just reading those quotes, I think that's really what he was trying to say. It just did not come out as eloquently or as smoothly as it should have. Um, you know, that's not to defend him; it's just to add context. Because, sure. like I said, no. in the very next breath, he actually said, uh, "No, I should have been standing in front of my locker." Um, so, kind of a confusing po- moment. But like I said, I've seen that transcript floating out. Mm-hmm. Uh, on social media as well. And it's part of the reason why, um, you know, several of us had actually that conversation among ourselves after that uh, interaction, like, well, what exactly, what did he mean here? Why was, why is he saying two different things in one breath? Um, and that's part of reporting too. You know, sometimes you got to go back to the source and say, Hey, what did you mean here? Unfortunately, as we're talking right now, um, I haven't had that opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to double down on that just yet. So, uh, maybe maybe we'll have that out uh, <laughs> once this actually goes live. We'll have that out, and that'll help explain some things. But certainly, uh, that's problematic. You know, uh, you've got to be able to uh, to say uh, to, to say one thing and stick with it. You know, whether it is that you have an issue with your teammates or you don't have an issue with your teammates, you got to mean what you say. And like I said, it just didn't uh, it just didn't didn't sound right. What he said, it, it obviously wasn't a very team first kind of uh, kind sure. of comment anyway. Yeah, no, and, and you know, it seems like he's um, just from 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 my perspective, looking in and just you know, just watching him as I have through through his time here. It just it does seem like he takes things personally. It seems like he he sure. um, yeah, I agree with that. he'll hold on to things for a little bit too. And, and what you know, we it, it works offensively. I mean, he uses them as a chip. I, I've said this in the past. Like, I don't care how this kid gets a chip on his shoulder because when he does have one offensively, he gets mad and it <laughs> and it and it you know it equals production. I mean, he he destroys the ball and we've seen it time and time again. And I don't know if, you know, there's, there's been issues in the field because he's not as comfortable in the, in the field as he is at the plate. And, and then, you know, his mind goes and and takes him to different places, but 
you know, he's an interesting dude. If if, if nothing else, that's for sure. It's uh, yeah, he's, absolutely. He's it's not making any of this boring. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> um, certainly. Uh, and like you said, you talk about the shoes and like all the things he's doing. Like I thought he had a really good th- good deal going. Like I think I think it was well received. The um, all the stuff he was doing with the cleats, it was unique. It was it was cool. I, I, like what he's doing is hasn't really been done before, and I think that's a that's a neat thing. So he was kind of separating himself from. Uh, the other personalities, which is again why I, it's almost like he talks in circles. Like I don't get why you're saying that, but you actually yeah. were. I, I mean, I think he's one of the more popular uh, Yankees players among the younger generation. I think he's he's way. Oh, I definitely I think, he's think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, I think we just need more time, right? We need him to keep talking. <laughs> I think, yeah, just... I think, well, well, I think I think he just needs more time to kind of uh, I think so too. Uh, learn who he is in this game, what he wants to be, and and at the same time, you know, not do everything the old way because I you know I definitely don't agree with that. Uh, this is a different time in baseball, a uh, different time in the sport. He needs to uh, find his identity, carve it out sustain that identity but still to do it in a way that is positive and conducive to a, uh, a team environment and um just based again on on what happened tuesday that's 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 not what he wants to do you know that that doesn't fall in line with that all right let's move on we've uh, i think we've, we've yeah. talked all the clip for as we can um and i and i know you have to uh, get going in a few minutes but i do want to talk about some of the injuries that have happened, some of the things on the on the Yankees, and then um, and then the the different guys that are not on the Yankees as of yet, at least. Um, let's start with the injuries. I know that we're seeing guys in Tampa rehabbing. Um, one of the big things I think we a lot of us have the information on who's doing what and where and how. But are one of my one of my things that I, I that I question and I don't think really the Yankees talk too much about. And you know maybe you guys can get more of a uh, a gut feeling from this. But do you see guys like Severino or Judge? Um, if, if they have any kind of a setback, let's, you know, relatively small or, or however it is, do you see any of these that, that could all of a sudden turn into a season ender? Oh, um, man, that's, uh, that's tough to say. Uh, uh, it, it, it's tough to say just because uh, not knowing the full nature of the injuries, you know, I mean, if I, if I was in the, in the uh, trainer's room, <laughs> um, of course, I, I might have a better handle on that. But even then, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, uh, even more what, on the side uh, of like them, that could be, but, yeah, just them being uh, cautious. Being out longer term, yeah, just well, being you know, cautious. Yeah, they, they like it seems are, like they're more cautious. They with certain being, people. Yeah, you know, they're certainly being cautious, especially with Severino right now because right. he did already have that one setback. Uh, you know, you don't want to, uh, you don't want him to push it, uh, especially now. I mean, granted, sure they do need some starting pitching help right now, but uh, but you know him pushing it to get back in three weeks instead of five weeks or whatever it is at this point, um, you know, that's not really going to be all that different in the grand scheme of things with what they necessarily need right now. Um, and even that being said, you know, they've, they've gotten the, uh, the pitching performance that they can, all things considered, they've gotten it uh, pretty well to this, to this point, you know, starting pitching actually has been, uh, you could argue one of the areas that has carried the Yankees this year, obviously Domingo Herman with what he, with what he's done, uh, having to fill that role, of course, they'll have to kind of mo- watch, you know, how much they use him as uh, as uh, as the season keeps going because he's starting to get even closer to his uh, to his own career high, not just even what he's thrown innings wise in the major leagues in his brief time up, uh, but also you know what he threw as a career high 
in a single season in the minor league. So he's getting close to that. Um, so they're going to have to start really watching here in the next, I would argue, month or two, um, just how much they use him. Um, that being said, too, of course, you know, they've gotten uh, production from Paxton as he's been healthy. When CeCe Sabathia has been healthy, he's, he's given them uh, quality innings, uh, quality outings. Um, you know, they're getting, it, they're getting it throughout their rotation. So that being said, there's no need to necessarily rush Severino right now. So they're going to be as careful as possible, as cautious as possible. Even he said earlier this week that this, this round of throwing that he's been doing has been uh, more deliberately cautious than even the previous time he was throwing and trying to get back on the mound uh, back in April. And he actually, he actually agrees with that. He actually is glad that, uh, that it has been so slow. But he's also feeling at the point that he is actually ready to get back on the mound. That's something that he didn't actually feel. Uh, uh, several weeks ago when he was first kind of beginning to throw uh, before the previous setback. So that's all obviously positive news for him. Um, you know, you asked about Judge. Uh, you know, a lot of it was just waiting until the pain was at a point when he could uh, uh, start to swing again. And apparently the pain has gone down so much that, you know, that not only is he throwing and running and doing everything else, he is swinging, he is uh, uh, beginning to build himself up to uh, to live batting practice and then possibly getting into a couple of games. And, of course, he'd be back uh, uh, in pinstripes after that. So the fact that they've taken that slowly, um, sure, you know, it, it would probably have been nice to have had him in right field the other night, uh, uh, Sunday night. But still, that being said, Clint Frazier has given you offensive production. Uh, you know, Cameron Maven has had the defensive production that you've seen. Uh, uh, with Judge out too, so that, that that's the thing about it is the Yankees are still feeling good about what they have had to keep them afloat with all these injuries. So certainly you're going to take it slowly, um, but you know it, it's hard to say whether uh, anything might keep anyone da- as far as the injuries themselves. If the injuries would keep any player down for any you know more significant amount of time, I just I just can't really necessarily answer that myself. Very good. You mentioned Cameron Maben, and he's been amazing, like tremendous for this team. I think not even just defensively, but offensively. I think he's given, you know, maybe a lot of timely hits. A lot of timely hits. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's uh, I think given us a lot more than than anybody expected. So that was uh, that was one of those one of those guys that was, um, you know, on the radar, not on the radar at all, and and all of a sudden is uh, being a productive Yankee. But but speaking of other guys that are not on the team yet, obviously there's been a lot swirling about Dallas Keuchel. And the um, the free agent market in the middle of uh, in the middle of June, the uh, the Dallas Keuchel Kimbrel Kimbrel really hasn't been much um, of a Yankees topic because the the bullpen I think is, right. is at a good point this time. Plus we don't want to see him hanging over that bullpen uh, over that mound. I can tell you right now that Yankee fans do not want to see that dude hanging over the mound <laughs> with his with his crane arms. We're good. Um, but Dallas Keuchel is uh, is a guy that seemingly fits this team well right now. Um, what are you hearing as far as any kind of momentum with him signing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, I, I think the further away we get from uh, from the start of the, as we're talking right now, the further that we get away from the start of the uh, the, the draft period, um, you know, then uh, then I think the further away we get, the, the, the less likely it becomes that he'd be in pinstripes. I think the, the sooner that, that this gets done, the uh, the better for all parties, but of course, certainly with what the Yankees are looking for, for depth, because I know what I just said about what they've been able to do, what they've been able to sustain uh, in their starting rotation, but that being said, they do need some arms. They do need some depth, and this is one of those immediate plug-and-play type of depth situations that you could have, uh, especially when we're comparing it to what we were talking about earlier with Severino. Um, but this being said, with, with Keiko, 
uh, you know, I mean, this is an arm that uh, that that adds to an already strong group. It's uh, it's an arm that will help alleviate some of the stress that Herman would be put through uh, as you go a little deeper in the year. It's an arm that could help uh, maybe give uh, Sabathia a start or two here later into the season uh, as he's going to have to manage his knee a little more. Um, you know, so certainly this is the type of insurance policy that the Yankees could benefit from. And then for Keiko, you know, this is a chance to be with a true contender, uh, a team that, that not only could make it to the World Series, but actually could win the World Series, and he could be part of that. He could be a big part of that. Um, so certainly a, a, a good opportunity could be uh, in play for him right here. And um, the fact that the Yankees, uh, you know, went out to California, had a scout out, out in California when he was going through a couple workouts uh, about a week or two ago, you know, that lets you know that they are interested in seeing just how well this guy can perform. And the fact that we're at this point still where he's in the, in the, the, the discussion to be signed, obviously that's a sign that they're pleased with what they saw out of that workout and they believe that he could be a, a help and a benefit too. Very good. It's interesting this year, right? So it's very different in the sense of the um, the free agents, two two big free agent names that are still on the market <laughs> as we're approaching the trade deadline. It really throws deadline, a different right? wrinkle. Yeah. yeah, it throws a different wrinkle in everything. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, in fact, you, you, you can focus on trying to sign, you know, yeah. a free agent instead of having to uh, worry about giving up a player uh, if you don't feel like you've got anybody you really want to part with right now. Coley, last quick thing I want to ask you before before uh, let you get going. You've, you've covered other teams, other sports. You've been around, uh, you know, different clubhouses. I'm very curious to see, you know, what you – how is it different covering the New York Yankees? You know, not – with with the with the last two days also folded in because I feel like now it's a different answer than it was three days ago. But um, yeah, what's different about what's different about the Yankees than uh, than anywhere else you've been? Well, I mean, the Yankees are just different because they're the Yankees, and I know it sounds weird to say. It probably even sounds, uh, uh, you know, so uh, you know, I, I don't know. It just really hypes up the Yankee narrative. But seriously, that that they are different. Uh, there's just something away about the way that this organization has always handled itself throughout the years. Um, that does kind of separate it from other places. Uh, one of the things that, that, that the Yankees do share that I have seen in a lot of clubhouses is just this uh, sense of camaraderie and, and, and unity and, uh, and and overall togetherness, for, you know, forget whatever is going on this week. I mean, there, there truly is this sense of, uh, of togetherness that I've seen in other places, and usually the places where I've seen it, you know, that's where good things are happening right. with those teams. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so that's obviously a positive uh, for them. Um, you know, what I'll say, though, is, is they are, you know, I mean, this, this is the Yankees. So there are certain ways of, of, uh, of <laughs> I know it's funny to say it this week, but of talking to the media, of, uh, of carrying yourself, you know, outside of, uh, of, uh, of the ballpark. Um, at the Yankees do it in a way that, that very few other teams really do. And, uh, and, you know, of course, I mostly covered football before I started doing, uh, you know, more of the Yankees. And so I'm able to compare a little more to that. But I've also spent time in other baseball clubhouses and, and basketball clubhouses. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 it's very loose and fun in that, you know, it follow, it, I, I put it this way. The Yankees are Aaron Judge. <laughs> you know, right. everything that you see out of Aaron Judge, whether it's, you know, just his love of music or how loose he is. I'm sorry, it's getting loud in the press box up here. Um, but however, however, you know, fun he is um, uh, just around his teammates, the music selections that he has, those kinds of things. Um, 
you know, that, that happens uh, with the Yankees, and it starts with him, and you, you really feel that kind of energy. But, um, you know, but they are still very much straight down the book. They're very straight lines, uh, so to speak. Uh, they are, uh, you know, they, they don't say too much. They don't say too, too much good, too much bad. They're very right down the middle, typically, when they talk to reporters. And like I said, it's funny that we're saying that this week. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that's the way that this, uh, that this franchise has been. And, and uh, you know, players even now, they, they still uh, follow that for the most part. Uh, but I just say, yeah, the, the identity of Aaron Judge is exactly what this team is. Uh, you know, again, he's, he's one of those, he doesn't often say too much one way or the other, but he's a very loose guy. He's a very relaxed guy. He's a very, uh, fun loving guy. He loves his music, you know, and he's, he extends that kind of everyone else. And he, he's, he's, he's a consummate teammate, I guess you could say too. You know, he, he's very well respected on this team. He appreciates so many different players on this team and spends time with so many different players, not just, you know, one or two, but, but, but everybody. Um, and I think that trickles down to some of the rest of the club too. Uh, and I think that's, that's another way that they kind of, uh, separate themselves in that kind of way. Um, you know, compared to other teams that I've been a part of or other teams have been around. I, say. I love it. The New York Yankees are Aaron judge. Aaron judge is the New York Yankees. That's it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. This is, this is fight. This is fight club. You know, we got, we got one guy that needs to get in line and don't talk about it. You know, he's, he's, there's too many things happening. So, well, you know, and, and he's, I mean, he's a guy that, that Aaron judge is very close to. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so that, that's kind of where I was saying earlier that, uh, you know, maybe there's, maybe it's a coincidence, but maybe it's not a coincidence that, yeah. Uh, that some of this has happened uh, at a time when Judge has now not been part of uh, uh, part of that clubhouse experience. So that's another reason why I guess the Yankees or Yankees fans, I should say, would want uh, Judge back uh, as uh, as soon as possible. We don't need any more reasons. I think I think we're, we're we 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 just want this guy back. He's he's our guy. So, Coley, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun to talk to you, and uh, uh, thanks for taking the time, guys. If you are not following Coley on Twitter. Give him a follow at Coley Harvey. Again, Coley, thanks very much, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.